Oh, this morning we uh, continue our uh, series through the Gospel of of John this morning. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about personal ministry and stepping outside of our comfort zone. And and, and personal ministry is that opportunity uh, that every one of us have had from time to time. But it's that opportunity to get involved or to serve someone that, that takes us out of our comfort zone. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's, uh, it, it's, it's with a co- coworker and, and they are unpacking and sharing some really, uh, troubling things that they're going through. And as they're talking, you, you just have this sense that you need to ask them, Hey, uh, I know we're in the break room right now, or I know we're in your, the cubicle of your office, but can, can I just pray for you right now? And, uh, but, but we don't do that because we don't know what to say. Or maybe it's a classmate or a friend or a teammate and they're uh, talking about some things with you that, that they're really struggling with. And you know that you should take a moment to pray, but, but you've just never done that before and don't know what that would be like. Uh, or, or maybe it's um, you get off the phone uh, with a friend who, who just met with the doctor and the lab results came back and they're not good. And they're trying to reassure you that everything's going to be okay and they're okay. But you can tell by the tone of their voice that they're really not okay. And, and you know you should go over to their house, but um, you just don't know what you would say once you got there. Or, or maybe you're sitting in the bleachers of you know, your, your kid's ball team or, or volleyball team. And there's a new family that is playing on the team now. Their kid's playing and, and you start to talking and then you discover that they're new in town. And then there's that literal voice in you, you know, that's saying, invite them to church. And you're like, no, I don't want to make it weird. You're like, invite them. And like, no, I don't want them to think I'm one of those Christians, you know. And so we, we don't take advantage of that opportunity. But, but it's in these opportunities, it's in these moments that lie the tension of I'm not equipped or, you know, I don't know enough or I'm not prepared or I don't know what to say. But it's in that tension that we have the, the, the potential to discover what happens when our inability collides with his ability. It's in the tension of these moments that that we have the opportunity to discover of what happens when our powerlessness collides with God's power. And today is the story about the feeding of the 5,000. And um, they say 5,000 because they only counted the men in the group. So really this crowd is probably pushing 12 to 15,000. And in our story today, we uh, we have a couple of different characters. I just kind of want to set the table of who, who we have on the stage. We have, we have you know, 12 to 15,000 hungry people, okay? We, we have the disciples of Jesus who are feeling pretty helpless and pretty powerless in their moment. Uh, we have this little poor kid who has, uh, you know, a couple of uh, biscuits and, and, and sardines, and, and then you have Jesus, And it's in this moment that Jesus is wanting to teach his disciples and teach us two things about his power. And and two things this morning that we see in the scripture, that we see the sufficiency of his power, okay? The sufficiency of his power and how can we become channels of God's uh, sufficient power in our lives? How can we get God's sufficient power flowing in us and 
through us in our daily lives. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 6 this morning. Uh, John chapter 6 uh, is where we're going to be. And uh, we're going to go back a little bit. Last week, Thomas did a great job of preaching about uh, the storms that come in our lives and that we have a God who's personal and he's present in those storms. And, and the reason why we kind of flipped ahead is because I knew the mission trip team was going to get back and they were going to share a few things. And, uh, and I wanted to talk about um, what do we do when we, get, when, when we have the opportunity, the moment to get out of our comfort zone. And so they just really kind of went in sync. And so, so we're going back a little bit in John chapter six. So let's talk about the sufficiency of his power. Did you know that outside of the resurrection, I said, did you know, because I didn't know this until I started studying this passage, is that outside of the resurrection of Jesus, this is the only miracle that is talked about in all four gospels. That the resurrection of Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000 are the only two miracles that are talked about in all four Gospels. And the reason why that is, is because let's rewind a few weeks. A few weeks ago, we talked about collaborative testimony. Uh, people, you know, enough people who've seen or experienced the, the miracle uh, or the teachings of Jesus that they could collaborate that. Well... Um, after the gospel started to circulate among people 30 to 40 years after the resurrection of Jesus, that people would read this story and they would say, oh, man, there's no way, there's no way Jesus fed five to 15,000 people. But there was still 10,000 or so people around who could say, oh yeah, he did. I was there. I was one of them. I could collaborate that story. And so we have this story in all four Gospels. So uh, let's begin in verse 1 through 6 in uh, John chapter 6. It says, sometime after this, after Jesus kind of went toe-to-toe with the Jewish authorities, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples and the Jewish Passover festival was drawing near. And when Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him for Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, Jesus is the master teacher, right? He's never going to let a waste a moment. He's always going to capitalize on some kind of uh, lesson, some kind of truth uh, to give to his disciples. And Jesus wants to teach his disciples and he wants to teach us about his power at work through them and his power at work through us. And he gets his disciples all riled up. He gets them all nervous, all panicked, all upset. And they're scrambling around trying to figure out what to do about this problem because there's 12 to 15,000 people here who haven't eaten. Look at verse seven. It says, Philip answered him, It will take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. I mean, we're not talking about a snack. We're not talking about a full meal. We're talking about a bite. We would have to spend half a year's wages to even give all these people one little bite. And so the disciples, they they thought what every one of us have thought at some time in our lives. And what they were thinking and what you and I have thought is, I can't do this, right? You've ever had that moment 
where you feel like God is stretching you, he's pushing you outside of your comfort zone and all of a sudden you think, I can't do this. I'm not qualified. I don't know enough. I don't know what to say. I've never done this. In other words, we don't have what it takes to accomplish God what you're asking us to do. We are powerless when it comes to fixing this problem. And the disciples, they knew they had a problem on their hands. I mean, they had 12 to 15,000 people. It's hot. It's getting late in the day. And they are on the verge of going from hungry to hangry. Okay? And you know what that's like. You know, when you go from hungry to hangry and you multiply that problem times 15,000 people. And Jesus leads them to see, leads the disciples to see that their resources are not enough for the moment. Their resources are not enough for the moment. So until you and I see that we are powerless, we will not be a channel of God's power. Until you and I really understand that we are powerless, we will not experience, we will not be a channel of the power of God. Now, we've all felt that way, right? I mean, we've all been in a situation where we felt powerless, right? Anybody ever felt that? Just kind of raise your hand if you've been, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, good. A majority of us. We've all felt that way. We felt powerless, but here's the deal. Don't feel bad about feeling powerless because that's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. That's the starting block. That's where he begins to show us just how sufficient his power is. So, so Jesus' sufficient power, he wants us to to experience that. So how can we become channels of God's sufficient power in our lives? Look at verses eight and nine. It says, another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So, so the disciples, they're, they're desperate now. Okay, I mean, they're searching all over. They're trying to figure out what to do. And Andrew says, hey, I found this poor kid. And in my mind, you know, you've got all these 15,000 hangry people and Jesus and the disciples. The disciples are freaking out. And finally, he sees a little, Andrew sees a little lunch box and he grabs that boy by the, you know, the collar and he's dragging that boy to Jesus. And he goes, I found something, Jesus. I found this boy and he's got five little barley biscuits and two sardines. Can you use that? You know, that kid's trying to get away from, you know, Andrew. And, uh, but, uh, but, but, but this kid, we know that he's poor because the Bible says these are barley biscuits. And uh, these are, barley was the grain of the poor. It was the cheapest of all grains. And they weren't loaves like French bread, okay, that we buy at the grocery store. These were biscuits. These were tiny little biscuits and two sardines at best. But Jesus says to Andrew and he says to the disciples and he says to this boy, he says, I want to use what you have. That I'm going to work through you with what you have. Look at verse 10. It says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Okay, so we got a plan. Have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in the place and they sat down and about 5,000 men were there. So we're just counting the heads of men, which means we're probably 12 to 15,000 in the group. And then, then Jesus then took the loaves. Now this is the scariest part of the story, 
okay? This is the most difficult part about becoming a channel of God's sufficient power because we have to put everything we have in his hands. Now we have to put everything we have in his hands. And here's a poor, here's, here's a little kid, little, little boy who's poor and he's out in the middle of nowhere with 12 to 15,000 hungry people and at least his mom had the foresight to pack him a lunch and Jesus now takes it from him. That he lost control over his lunch. Now here's the principle. He lost control over the only thing he had control over. He lost control over the only thing he had control over. Now, when I say that, I know that some of us are right now are starting to freak out a little bit. We're having a little mild panic attack. We're freaking out because we're control freaks. I get it. I'm one too. And now the preacher's talking about losing control and I don't want to go down that road. I've lost control before. I don't like it. I don't like feeling like I don't have any control. And you're starting to freak out right now. But, but here's the deal. See, when I, when I feel like I'm out of control, I get anxious. I get stressed and I'm a stress eater, so that doesn't help me. Um, and then I start looking for something I can control. I, I, I start sighing a lot, as my family and, and you know, staff will tell you. You know, it's this, you know, I'll, 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 I'll start stomping around. I'll start looking for something I can control. That may just be cleaning the house. You know, like, hey, pastor, come lose control at my house anytime, you know. Or it may come in down on one of my kids where, you know, when, when really it's, it's not a big deal. And, but I start looking for something I can control. And what that is, is I'm starting to realize that my power and my wisdom and my resources and my skill set are all insufficient. Ever felt like that? I do quite a bit. So verse 11. says, Jesus then took the loaves... And he gave thanks. So Jesus, he takes the loaves and he stops and he pauses and he looks up because he looks up because he wants everybody to know all 12 to 15,000 hungry people, this little boy and the disciples, he wants them to know that this moment is about the father. That this moment is about the father. So he gives thanks and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did that with the same with the fish. So because this poor little boy let go of his five little barley biscuits and his two sardines into the hands of Jesus, this boy had so much more food than even existed beforehand. And everybody else got to eat as well. Verse 12 says, And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, and let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them filled and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. See, in the Old Testament, when, when, when John's Jewish audience read this, they immediately thought back to the Old Testament story about when the people of Israel 
when God led them, freed them from captivity from the Egyptians and they crossed over the Red Sea and they didn't have the faith or the confidence in God to go into the promised land. So they're having to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. They start remembering the banna from heaven. They start remembering that the manna from heaven that, that, that God would f- use to feed the people of Israel. And every morning they would get up and go outside their tent. And on the ground there was this, there'd be this little, you know, kind of flaky cake substance on the ground and they would gather it up and that would be what they would eat for that day but if they were control freaks like me they would gather a little bit more for tomorrow just in case the man is not there but what would happen to that overnight it would spoil and so that's why Jesus says when he's teaching us to pray he says give us today our daily bread and so So they remember that story as they're looking at baskets and baskets and baskets and baskets of leftovers. Now, I'm not much of a leftover guy, okay? Unless it's barbecue or pizza, one of the two. Anything else, not doing leftovers. But they see all these leftovers. And Jesus wants to teach them that not only does he take care of their needs, but he is the Lord of the feast. Remember, remember when we started this series, we talked about Jesus turning the water into wine and it was the best wine anybody has ever tasted to this day. And Jesus did that because he was the Lord of the feast. That, that, and that, that wine, it represented the, the spilled blood of Jesus on the cross. Well, these broken pieces of bread, they represent the broken body of Jesus on the cross for our sins. So, so how in the world can we become channels of God's sufficient power in our lives? Let me just give you three takeaways and we're done. Takeaway number one is we have to admit we are powerless. We have to admit that we are powerless. I am powerless. Let's say that together. I am powerless. Whew, man, doesn't that feel good to get that off your chest? Just to admit that we're powerless, that we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to be, you know, the Mr. Fix-It or the queen of quite a lot, that, that we're powerless. But, but here's the deal. We're, we're powerless to save ourselves. We don't, we don't have the power to save ourselves, much less anybody else. Because sin has put us in a hopeless spot. And we can't earn our way or work our way or behave our way out of it. All of those are insufficient. Our performance, our good record, our religious activities are all insufficient. We're powerless to help ourselves. Self can't help self. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need a savior. That only through the power of Jesus and and, and, and faith that he came and lived the life that we can't live and died the death that we deserve can we be saved from our sin and go from being dead spiritually to being alive spiritually and be channels of his sufficient power we cannot save ourselves we are powerless and we have to admit it that's takeaway number one so when we get in that moment of we don't know what to say we don't know what to do we don't you know we don't have the answers we're not equipped Hey, let's just admit, okay, whew, I'm powerless in this moment. Takeaway number two is that we need to trust God. Now, I know that's easy to say in church, right? I mean, anybody can say trust God in church. But we have to ask ourselves, and this is a great moment to do it in church. And to answer this question later, but we have to ask ourselves, do we really believe? Do we really trust that God knows what's best for us? 
Do we really believe that in our core? Do we really trust that God knows what's best for us? I mean, think about it. As parents, we want what's best for our kids, right? I mean, and, and we'll, I mean, we'll make sacrifices so that they can have the things we didn't have and experience the things that, you know, we, we didn't experience. And I know, I know teenagers, it doesn't feel like that all the time, you know? But your parents really do want what's best for you. But, but think about it. How much more, how much more does God know knows what's perfect and best for us? How much more does our per- perfect heavenly father know what's best for us? And we have to answer, do we really believe that? that I mean, can you imagine as much as, as our parents love us who are imperfect, how much more does uh, our perfect heavenly father love us perfectly because he's perfect? And the more our, our, our knowledge of God grows, the more our, our, our faith in God grows, the more trust we have in him. And the, really the way we grow our trust is through consistent moments in God's word. Just consistent moments. We're, we're going to spend the rest of the year in John, in, in the Gospel of John. There's 21 chapters in John. What if we just started reading the Gospel of John? One chapter a day. Take, you know, Saturday and Sunday off. You're going to hear about it preached on Sundays anyway. So Monday through Friday, you just read it. You'd read, a whole, you'd read the whole book in a month. I say, well, I don't know if I can do the whole chapter. Okay, do half a chapter. Use two months. I'm not a good reader. Okay, we'll do audio and listen to it. It takes probably three minutes to, read, to listen to the one chapter being read. But we need consistent moments in God's word. We need consistent moments in prayer. Pouring our heart out to God. That's not you know, going to God with a wish list. That's going to God and saying, God, and, and I, I, what I'm, 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 list, I'm reading, I'm listening. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing things that, I, that, I, that, that are hard. And would you help me get my heart and my mind around these? It's praying, it's pouring out our heart to God and saying, not my will, but your will be done. It's consistent moments gathered together. You know, I, I, I know it, it, it looks odd that I'm dragging teenagers from the back, but I want them, it's important for me to y'all to sit now so y'all can hear and see your friends and your classmates sing about who God is and remind one another as brothers and sisters who God is and what he's done for you. It's important that we all come together and we serve one another. And we serve one another by holding open a door and saying good morning or showing up early and setting everything up or, or, or tearing it all down or, or helping out in our kids' ministry or checking in kids. That, that's the way that we serve one another. And our, our, our knowledge of God grows and our trust in God grows more when we're with gospel-centered community. When we have a few friends that, when we start to have our freak out, you know, I'm out of control moments, we're like, whoa, 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 Mark. Let's point you back to who God is and what he's done for you in the past. That's how our trust in God grows. So we admit that we're powerless. We trust God, which is a daily thing that grows. But we start with, do we really trust that he knows what's best for us? And then our third takeaway is do what you know to do. And trust God to do what only he can do. To do what you know to do and trust God to do what only he can do. I mean, let's go back to the scene. You got 15,000 people, hungry people. You got the 12 disciples lined up. They each have a basket. 
you know, Jesus stops and he gives thanks and he starts breaking up the biscuits and the two sardines and, and then Jesus goes, go on. Go start handing out pieces of bread and fish. And what did the disciples do? They said, oh, Jesus, this isn't enough food. Jesus, this isn't going to work. Jesus, this, this plan is a terrible plan. What'd they do? They just turned around and trusted God. I'm sure reluctantly at first. And I'm sure it, it, it took a while for their heart and their mind to catch up. But they're like, all right. Here's a piece for you. And here's a piece for you. And here's a piece for you. And here's the last peace for you here's a peace for you here's a peace for you here's a peace for you here's the last here's the peace for you here's the peace for you here's the peace for you here's the last and they just kept handing it out they did the only thing they knew to do was to hand out pieces of fish pieces of fish and pieces of bread and they trusted God to do what only he could do Then we have this tension in the moment when when God is saying, pray for them, invite them, take them a meal, give them money, serve in kids ministry. We, we, We have this freak out moment of saying, I don't know enough. I've never done that before. I don't know what to say. What if they laugh at me? What if they say no? You know what all that is right there? That's us being control things, trying to control the moment. You see, we're not responsible for the outcome. We're just responsible to do what we know to do and trust God to do what only He can do. So as the band comes, let me just ask you, as they get ready to lead us, the Apostle Paul, he writes this. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. So in this moment of feeling overwhelmed and out of our comfort zone, we need to remember my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So let me ask you, what do you need to trust God with today? What is it that you're spending so much time and effort and energy to try to control? Or maybe it's not a what, maybe it's who. Who are you trying to control? What do you need to trust him? Who do you need to trust him with? Who, who came to your mind as we talked about stepping out of our comfort zone and that, that, that friend, that coworker, that classmate, that teammate, that neighbor, they, they, they came to your mind and you're like, maybe, maybe I need to step outside of my comfort zone. What do you need to give up trying to control so that you can be a channel of God's sufficient power in you?